politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So I read a study that said about 15% of all user accounts on social media were recently hacked. That seemed pretty high. Yeah, I saw that as well. I think one of the other things that was sort of alarming about that was it said that 13% of people had also been hacked via their credit cards. To me, I have to say, doing this show every week, it's not a big shocker, but I wonder if that's a shocker for the wider world out there. Yeah, actually, I thought it should be higher. Yeah, I mean, we need to keep in mind that if it's a statistic like that, those are reported scams, not the actual numbers as such. They're not counting all the times you were scammed this year that you were too embarrassed to tell anyone about. So many scams, so little time. Or the times people didn't realize they were scammed. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, Cyber Sloth. I'm Bo, Cyber Squirrel. And I'm Travis, Cyber One-Eyed Willie. <laughs> That's a penis. No, it's a Goonies reference, man. Goonies. Or whatever. I- On today's episode, we hear a frustratingly unsettling story of the unintended consequences that can happen when your wallet gets stolen. So we'd like to welcome to the show today Jessica Roy, who's a Los Angeles Times reporter, and... She has a story which, when I was thinking about all the things you went through, the first thing that came to my mind was the title of a play by Eugene O'Neill, Long Day's Journey into Night. <laughs> but let's get to know you a little bit before we, we tell what I think is an amazing and harrowing story. Sure. I am coming to you from beautiful Culver City, California. The land of studios and That's right. People. The heart of Screenland. So, Jessica, what is your beat at the LA Times? I work on a team, we call it utility journalism. It's really, it's service journalism. It's news you can use. And so I write a lot of things about vaccine access. And I have a thing out recently about how to preserve your mental health when the clocks roll back and it's dark at 5 p.m., things like that. Oh, I can use some help on that. I know that (laughs) most people, even though this is a little bit after daylight savings time, let's give us a couple easy ones. I liked, a person I spoke to said to have a routine at the end of your workday that sort of transitions, because a lot of us had routines that involved sunlight, like going out for a walk or running errands after work or something, and that's hard when it feels like it's already 10 p.m. when you log off for the day. So she talked about like, have a playlist or like tea that you make or something, just a way to transition into a a nicer evening. Okay, Travis, Adam, 
we are going to get together at the end of every night from now on until we get used to this stupid time change and we're going to do the Macarena. No. They said gathering with friends is another good one. Unsubscribe. Jessica's going to join us. She wants to, Jessica wants to join us. (laughs) You're in. I'm I'm excited to actually hear what you do because when I first read Utility Editor, I said, oh, wow. So she talks about the power grid. Interesting. Yeah, we the name of the team was not my idea, but we do get that a lot. <laughs> so this saga started the day after Thanksgiving. Tell us about what happened. And all I can tell you is that I've read the articles you've written about this, and I literally had to write a five-page timeline <laughs> to keep up with all of this. So did my so, editor. So, okay. Day after Thanksgiving, in a bar in San Francisco, what happened? Yes, we were out celebrating with family, a great place called Martuni's. My father-in-law plays piano there, actually. And so we were all seeing him perform, and I went to pay at the end of the night, and my wallet was gone. Somebody had taken my wallet out of my purse. And I was annoyed. It happens. I didn't really keep much in my wallet. I had a couple, like $10 in cash, a couple gift cards. I talk in the article, I had a punch card for a place called Skin Laundry that does facials. And I was one more punch away from a free facial. And I was very upset about losing that. No. I know you were late. But like in the grand scheme of things, okay, I was going to have to call and cancel my cards. And I was going to have to get a driver's license. And the people who stole my wallet used the cards right away at a gas station and sent money via a square card reader. You know, the bank made me whole on all those transactions right away. And so no harm, no foul. You do have to replace certain kinds of credentials. Did you have your social security card in your wallet? Absolutely not. I would have never kept my social security card in my wallet. That's excellent. Did you have your health insurance card in your wallet? I did have my health insurance card in there, yeah. Okay, there's one. Okay, now did you have your driver's license in your wallet? Yeah, I had to have my driver's license. I was going to a bar. Gosh, and that is an annoying thing to lose, isn't it? Yeah, that was annoying, but I didn't keep my passport in my purse. So that was back home here in Los Angeles. And so I was able to go to the DMV with that. I said my license was stolen. They said, okay, you owe us like $37, even though it wasn't your fault. And yeah, I got a new license that week. Credit cards? Did you have credit cards in your wallet? I had one credit card and two debit cards in there. And you canceled them. So you thought, okay, done and done. That was a pain, $37 later, plus your skin laundry certificate Mm -hmm. of almost there, free, 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 so close to my free facial. Free facial. And I was sad to lose the wallet itself. It was not valuable, but it had been a gift from my grandmother before she passed away. And so I was very sad to lose that. No, sentimental. I did. All right, there's some bad karma for whoever took that. That's some definite bad karma. Did you file a police report? Yeah, I went to the San Francisco police station to report it stolen. My hope was that maybe they would take the stuff out of it and throw the wallet away with my driver's license and maybe someone would turn it in. Like I said, I was sad about the wallet itself. And I only reported it because I hoped maybe there was a little chance that I might get it back, which I did not. About a month and a half later, mid-January 2019, I started getting big envelopes in the mail with a bunch of paperwork in them congratulating me on my new Wells Fargo checking and savings account, my new Bank of America checking and savings account. I got a phone call from Target following up on my credit card application. I got a bunch of other mail about credit card applications and things like that. And I, the first one I got, I was a former Bank of America customer. I'd canceled my account, closed it about a decade earlier, and I thought, 
oh, I wonder if I came up in some system again. But when I started getting even more mail and I never used Wells Fargo, I was like, something's wrong. Something is very wrong. Now, to be clear, these were notifications or thank you letters for setting up new accounts. These were not letters saying, just so you know, we're, we're unable to extend credit to you. Yep, you have to jump through this or that hoop. This was just Correct. a straight they up were like, congratulating me on welcome. my new account. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You had great credits, obviously. Yes. <laughs> I I use Credit Karma to track my credit. And I started getting emails that were like, new inquiry, new inquiry. Is this new card yours? Is this new card yours? Uh, so what did you do when you started to get these letters? I sprang into action right away. I immediately logged online, created accounts with all three major credit bureaus and put freezes on all my credit. And then I also Googled how to stop someone from opening a checking account. And I learned about something called Chex Systems, C-H-E-X Systems, which is like a credit bureau, but for opening checking accounts, I created an account with them and closed that or froze that rather as well. So it sounds like you're being really uh, proactive then. Yeah, I was very proactive about this. You know, I logged into my credit and bank accounts and looked at all that right away. I called my bank to let them know what was happening and to alert them that something might be going on and for them to be on the lookout. They obviously got their hands on your social security information. The question is, how? In the course of reporting on this story, I thought I would find the definitive answer to that. I thought I would figure out it was definitely this particular website, data hack, whatever. And instead I found out something much more bleak which is that virtually everyone's social security information is available for sale online somewhere, that I'm the victim of a number of data hacks. The Equifax hack is probably the biggest and most notable one that people are familiar with, but I've been a victim of many, many others. And so have uh, so has anyone else who is engaged with financial systems in America. We're talking about billions of files as a result of tens of thousands of breaches, data leaks and the like. It's all on the dark web. And it's out there and it's available for people to buy, sell, trade. And there are people out there using it to grab ill-gotten gains every day. Sure. So I, I, the crime that was committed against me is not that unique. But I think as a victim, I am unique in that I have a reporter's toolkit of resources and skills. And one of them is that I start Google Docs for everything. I started a multi-month dispute with my insurance company about a COVID test they tried to not reimburse, and that's seven pages long. So for this, I opened a Google Doc and thought, I'm going to want to remember dates. I'm going to want to remember who I called and what they said. And I have found that when dealing with customer service for anything, banks, health insurance, whatever, it really helps to be able to say, I spoke to you on January 16th, and I spoke to Logan, and he told me, da-da-da, and here's the reference number for that phone call. Once you have that, they can't deny what happened, basically. I think a lot of these places, customer service tries to give you the runaround and make you give up, and I refused to give up. So I just started a Google Doc, and yeah, I said this was the date I received this piece of information, this was the phone number I called, and just a short name of the person I spoke to, if they gave me a ticket number, what was discussed, what the resolution was. No, one of the most important things you can actually do is to inventory all of your communications because you're gonna need it at some point. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike 
with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance an electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Bro's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. Same night that I froze my credit, I filed an identity theft.gov, I got the FTC affidavit, and I also filed an IC3 complaint with the FBI. And so I had those reports as well in a folder in my Google Drive. And did you you set up monitoring as well with the bureaus just to make sure that they'd notify you any activity that was going on? Yes. I also left the first of many voicemails with the San Francisco Police Department asking for a copy of the police report about my stolen wallet. Oh, wow. So you really were thorough. Yes. You really have to push sometimes to get those reports filed because they're tedious and cops don't want to fill them out. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Now... I was waiting for you to tell me you got letters saying, you know, you tried to set up a new credit account, but your account is frozen, so we couldn't do it, which is the kind of letter I get because I'm always frozen, but people are constantly trying to scam me. But you had bank accounts open, and I'd like to know, what did they have? Was it just that they had your driver's license, or how did that work that they were able to set up bank accounts? Because you need some stuff to do that. My best understanding at this point is that they were able to obtain my social security number online and then took my driver's license to a local bank branch up in Northern California where they were and opened it in person. Did they have to go through all the Patriot Act stuff that people have to go through these days with the banks? Because they're concerned about money laundering and things like that, but they must have had enough information that they could have done it. Yeah, I spoke to people off the record from Bank of America and Wells Fargo, and the recurring answer that I got was like, we don't like to talk about how to open these accounts for security purposes. You know, funny thing I discovered right away. So when I got those letters from Wells Fargo and Bank of America, I was like, I'm going to call these guys, the banks, 
and tell them these are fraudulent accounts so that they can close them. And in both cases, I was hit with the automated phone menu that said, enter your account number to proceed, but the mail did not have the account number on it for security purposes. It was redacted to just the last four digits. Wow. There was nothing I could do. I ended up on hold hell over and over and over again because I didn't, and then when I would say, can I get the account number in case I have to call again? No, we can't give that to you over the phone. Once I fought through the hold menus to get and speak to a human being, they said, okay, we're gonna send you some stuff. And they did. And that was the point at which it was suddenly an onerous amount of paperwork that was my responsibility. I remember they sent me a notification that was dated February 25th and said, the date of your claim was January 25th and you need to have this back to us within 30 days. And I called and I said, it's been 30 days. Like you sent this to me after 30 days. And they said, (laughs) Oh, that's because we first sent it to the address that was on file for the account. And I said, the address that opened the account, the one that I told you was where the thieves lived? (laughs) Yes. They mailed it to them first before they mailed it to, to the address of my driver's license. And then what it said was like, oh, you need to fill out a statement, have it, an affidavit, have it notarized, and then send us back in the mail that plus a copy of your driver's license, plus a copy of your social security card, and then we'll be able to look into this and try and figure this out for you. And I called back and I said, it would be insane for a victim of identity theft or anyone to put photocopies of their driver's license and social security card in the mail. And the person said to me, oh, we would never ask you to do anything like that. I was so stunned that I took, I had a pen in my hand and I wrote down that quote on that piece of paper as she said it. I get the sneaking suspicion that uh, that's not where this ends. So uh, where did it go from here? I would get letters from debt collectors and from other checking bureaus and things about the bad checks they'd tried to write. They, it was like $79 at a Marshall's, $99 at a Trader Joe's. There was a check for $13,700 at a Big Lots. So I would get these insane letters and then I would, yeah, have to call the debt collectors back and email them all my stuff. It was a huge hassle. I also found out they used a peer-to-peer car rental service to steal a Tesla. I think it was reported stolen and then found abandoned a few days later. I also heard from someone's insurance, they got into a car crash in a BMW and presented my driver's license to police there. And so I got a call from the other driver's insurance months later saying, it took us forever, but we finally tracked you down and we need to get your information. And I said, I have bad news for you. This is getting to the point where I'm like, come on, what else happened? I had never spoken to a debt collector before in my life. And in the course of reporting this, I learned that a state senator named Bill Dodd here in California had previously had his identity stolen in a very similar set of circumstances. And he got a law changed that made it so that debt collectors have to resolve disputes like this if you're an identity theft victim. And so this step would have been much harder for me if it weren't for his previous work in this area. And I'm really grateful for that. But yeah, she was like, oh, okay, you know, send us the police report and the IC3 complaint and the identitytheft.gov affidavit to this fax number. And I did that. And the fax number didn't work. I often felt like I had to mount a Supreme Court case in defense of my own innocence of all this stuff. And it's very hard to prove you did not commit a crime. Yeah, especially when the police are calling you. Yes. So by this point, I was getting mail 
every day, sometimes multiple pieces of mail saying you applied for this credit card, but we see your credit's frozen. Here's how to unfreeze it. There was nothing that was like, if you didn't do this, ignore this or let us know. It was just like, you must have made a mistake and here's how to finish this transaction with us. And so I, I would sometimes call them, but after a while, I just put that stuff into my file folder and was like, okay, the system worked the way it should. So in May, I learned the Berkeley police were trying to get in touch with me. And I spoke to an officer there. Two people were arrested. They were found, they were both already on felony probation for identity theft related crimes. And they found a bunch of stuff in their car and in the trunk, including a Cheez-It box stuffed with, I think a dozen people's checkbooks, including a, a checkbook with my name on it. This detail was cut from the final story. I think I think this story was like 8,000 words when I turned it in and it's about 4,400 words online right now. So sadly, a lot of details that we lost, but one was that also found out they the thieves were able to impersonate me and unfreeze my credit with TransUnion. No. <laughs> I had a number of issues with TransUnion. So you can dispute inquiries on your credit report through the credit bureaus in theory, but for months in 2019, TransUnion would have a thing at the top that was like, TransUnion makes it easy to dispute inaccuracies. And then it was like, the disputing system is currently offline. Please check back <laughs> later. I'm jumping ahead in the timeline, but when my husband and I were applying for a mortgage in 2020, I told our lender upfront, I was like, I'm a victim of identity theft. There's probably gonna be weird stuff here. And also I'm gonna have to unfreeze my credit with all these bureaus before you guys do the mortgage inquiry. So let me know. And when I went to unfreeze my TransUnion account, it, it wasn't frozen. And I thought, that's weird. And I called and they said, oh yeah, you unfroze it in April of 2019 via a phone call. I said, no, I didn't. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works. Not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've gotta know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So at this point, the San Francisco police were involved and now the Berkeley police were involved. The Berkeley police were super helpful. I told them, yes, I, I am a victim of identity theft and I requested a copy of the 
police report. And they also were like, you need to come in person or mail us a physical photocopy of your driver's license. I was like, one, I'm not driving to Berkeley. Two, no, I'm not putting my driver's license in the damn mail. Um, but the police officer, the officer himself very helpfully emailed me a PDF of it because balked at that particular request. But I looked through it and there were dozens of victims and there were so many people they had reached out to before they got to my name on their, I think I was like the 15th person they called. There's a ton of people, a ton. And both these people had committed identity theft related crimes repeatedly, a lengthy criminal, again, a, a reporting tool that most victims don't have access to. I pulled their criminal background reports through the Los Angeles Times librarian and they just a, a long history of this. I went through the court records from where they were prosecuted and they were charged with a bunch of things, but then pled down to, I think it was nine months in county jail, a residential drug treatment program. They were found with a number of drugs and drug paraphernalia in the car, and then five years back on felony probation. And I don't, it's tricky to tell jail records are not super easy to search and look through. I don't think they served nine months in county jail. I think it was a few weeks each. I think, I think it was much lighter than even what they were sentenced to, but I'm not sure. I think the way that the government views this crime or the legislators view this crime. And I think probably the people who commit this crime view it as like, well, this is a victimless crime. I mean, the real Jessica Roy, I, ha I have not been held responsible for any of their debt ultimately because I fought back at every single step and had my multi-page Google doc and had my Google Drive folder of reports and PDFs and all this other stuff. And so to in the eyes of the law, I have not lost anything. It was horrible. I was already a difficult time in my life and I just dealing with this was like a horrible unpaid part-time job that I had to do. I had no choice. I couldn't sit back and say, hey, I'm the victim here, you know, slam a big red button that's like my identity was stolen, so leave me alone. It's each of these little threads of this crime. It was ultimately my responsibility to clean up. I remember thinking like, I remember feeling this is so crazy. Someone stole my wallet, a bank teller or online portal or who knows, let them open a bad account. A cashier somewhere accepted a bad check. And now I wasn't involved in any of this. I had nothing to do with this string of things that happened. But for some reason, it's my responsibility to clean it all up. I just couldn't wrap my head around it then or now. I think one of the main things that's uh, standing out here, too, is the fact that it sounds like you made all the right moves. You uh, acted very quickly. You were very proactive in terms of, uh, you know, trying to uh, mitigate the damage here. And even still, you were subjected to this uh, nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, I was someone I would have never thought this crime could have happened to me. I thought I don't keep my social security number in my wallet. I use unique passwords and two-factor authentication for all my bank accounts and my email. And I will say the thieves attempted to get into my email account, they attempted to get into my bank accounts and they were never able to because I had those safeguards up, but I had no idea that, yeah, all these banks I have never been a customer of. First of all, all those banks and financial institutions now have my personal information. You know, they applied for a payday loan. If that payday lender ever gets hacked and I'm sure their data security practices are not up to snuff. Plus people also ask the question, why did you apply for a payday loan? These are things that happen. So in addition to all of that, didn't they also get your free credit report? Yes, I called TransUnion and I said, I said, I need to go through this. Maybe this was like spring of 2019. So this was before I found the police arrested them. But when I knew everything was going on and I said, I want to get my copy of my credit report so that I can go through, see all the hard inquiries, make sure I have crossed my T's and dotted my I's on everything. And she said, well, no, you can only request one free copy per calendar year. And you requested it in December of 2018. I said, no, I didn't. 
I'm the victim of identity theft, which is why I froze my credit with you in January. Though that was thieves. I want you to send it to me. And she's like, well, it's $11 to request a repeat copy. And I was like, but I'm not requesting a repeat copy. I'm entitled to one free copy a year. And that's what I'm asking for. And she's like, well, I, you already know. No, it again, I say this in the story. I'm not proud of this, but I did scream at her. I was like, you sent my credit report to thieves. And she <laughs> put me on hold and transferred me to a supervisor. And the supervisor, <laughs> the supervisor mailed yeah. me a copy of my credit report. I mean, if this wasn't if this wasn't so sad, I mean, this would be a skit. Yeah, it's Kafka esque. I, don't, it's I don't even know that it's sad. It's just bonkers. Well, it was bonkers. You know, a lot of people don't realize that there there is help out there for them beside just the Identity Theft Resource Center. That many institutions right now, especially insurance companies, now as part of your insurance policy, homeowners, auto owners, and even rental policies, as well as some financial institutions, credit unions more than banks, and then employers offer programs now to help people through identity incidents. And unfortunately, most people don't realize that, and insurance companies initially told people about it and then kind of laid back. But there are companies out there, I had one, that they do all the work, make all the phone calls, write all the letters, just get the person to sign off on that. If you're a victim of this and take it on yourself, and in your case, you had no choice at the time but to do it yourself, it's like you have to say that I have no life other than this, that it really becomes almost a full-time job. It yeah. is gut-wrenching, time-consuming, and your story certainly conveyed that. And we really can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on and, and share what was a totally harrowing experience for you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very happy to share my story. And I set a goal for myself early on. I wouldn't let them win. And I don't think I did. I think I won. You did. Thank you. <laughs> It is time for the tinfoil swan. Our paranoid takeaway that'll help keep you safe. Adam, you used to own credit.com, or I don't know, you founded it or co-founded it or something? Yeah, one of those. So how do you opt out of credit card solicitations? To be honest, it's been so long since I did it, I don't remember. Let me check my hard drive. Travis? Yes. I'm sorry. I, I swear, he's Alexa. You have to say, Travis? How do you opt out of credit card solicitations? Okay, Travis, how do you opt out of credit card solicitations? It's pretty easy. All you need to do is go to the website optoutprescreen.com. Come on, that's not the only way, is it? We don't do endorsements here. Or actually, we do if you pay, if you pay enough. Right. <laughs> um, not really for private companies, but this website is more of like a free resource. Like, have I been pwned or the ITRC? The Identity Theft Resource Center. Right. Opt-out pre-screen lets you opt in or out permanently or for a five-year period. And you can totally do it another way though, right? Can you? Can you? Right. It depends on how much you value your time. Opt-out pre-screen is set up in coordination with the big four credit bureaus. That's Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, and these days, Innovus. So you can go to them individually, but this website lets you do them all at once. So you're not getting all those, you're pre-approved junk mail. Credit card offers aren't harmless, right? Correct. If they fall into the wrong hands, they can be used to open lines of credit in your name. Without you knowing until it's too late. And getting that sorted out means no more life for more than a minute. So the site is pretty easy to use. If you want to permanently opt out, you do need to print and mail in a form, but the five-year option can be done online. And that's optoutprescreen.com. We'll post the uh, link on the website. Yep. 
And that was our tinfoil swan. Hey, you know, it really does help people find the show if you rate and review it. So wherever you go to get your podcasts, hit the five stars and, um, and say something nice about the show. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Thanks. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Steven. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin. 